Chapter 5, Part 2 of Letters on an Elk Hunt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Carroll. Letters on an Elk Hunt by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter 5, Part 2. We found Mrs. Bonham a pleasant little woman whose husband had earned her pretty new machine by chewing tobacco. I reckon you think that is a mighty funny method of earning anything, but some tobacco has tags which are redeemable, and the machine was one of the premiums. Mrs. Bonham just beamed with pride as she rolled out her machine. I never had a machine before, she explained. I just went to the neighbors when I had to sew. So, of course, I wanted a machine awfully bad. So Frank just chawed and chawed, and I saved every tag till we got enough. And last year, we got the machine. Frank is chawing out a clock now, but that won't take him so long as the machine did. Well, the chawed-out machine did splendidly, and we turned out some good work that afternoon. I completed the blue bonnet, which was to be used as best, and made a splint bonnet. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and Elizabeth did well on their aprons. We took turns about at the machine, and not a minute was wasted. Mrs. Bonham showed us some crochet lace, which she said she hoped to sell, and right at once Mrs. O'Shaughnessy's fertile mind began to hatch plans. She would make Mrs. Holt a Sunday apron, she said, and she bought the lace to trim it with. I thought Mrs. Holt must be an old-fashioned lady who liked pillow shams. Mrs. Bonham had a pretty pair she was willing to sell. On one was worked good morning, and on the other good night. It was done with red cotton. The shams had a dainty edge of homemade lace. Elizabeth would not be outdone. She purchased a star quilt pieced in red and white. At sundown, we went home. We were all tired, but as soon as supper was over, we went to work again. We took down the bed and set it up in Dan's new quarters, and we made such headway on what had been his bedroom that we knew we could finish in a little while next day. The next morning, as soon as we had breakfasted, Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and Elizabeth went back to sew, taking with them a lot of white cheesecloth for lining for the bedroom we were preparing for Mrs. Holt. Mr. Stewart had had fine luck fishing, but he said he felt plumb left out, with so much bustling about and he not helping. He is very handy with a saw and hammer, and he contrived what we called a chest of drawers for Daniel's room. The chist had only one drawer. Into that we put all the gloves, ties, handkerchiefs, and suspenders, and on the shelves below we put his shoes and boots. Then I made a blue curtain for the chist and one for the window, and the room looked plumb nice, I can tell you. I liked the chist so well that I asked Mr. Stewart to make something of the kind for Mrs. Holt's room. He said there wouldn't be time, but he went to work on it. Promptly at noon, Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and Elizabeth came with the lining for the room. We worked like beavers and had the room sweet and ready by mid-afternoon, 
when the man came from Pinedale with the new furniture. In just a little while we had the room in perfect order, the bed nicely made with soft new blankets for sheets, the pretty star quilt on, and the nice clean pillows protected by the shams. They could buy no rugs, but a weaver of rag carpets in Pinedale had some pieces of carpet which Daniel sent back to us. They were really better and greatly more in keeping. We were very proud of the pretty white and red room when we were through. Only the kitchen was left, but we decided we could clean that early next day. So we sat down to sew and to plan the next day's dinner. We could hear Mr. Stewart out in the barn hammering and sawing on the chist. While we were debating whether to have fried chicken or trout for dinner, two little girls, both on one horse, rode up. They entered shyly, and after carefully explaining to us that they had heard that a wagon load of women were buying everything they could see, had run Mr. Holt off and were living in his house, they told us they had come to sell us some bluing. When they got two dollars worth sold, the bluing company would send them a big doll. So please, would we buy a lot? We didn't think we could use any bluing, but we hated to disappoint the little things. We talked along, and presently they told us of their mother's flowers. Daniel had told us his mother always had a red flower in her kitchen window. When the little girls assured us their mother had a red geranium in bloom, Mrs. O'Shaughnessy set out to get it, and about dark she returned with a beautiful plant just beginning to bloom. We were all as happy as children. We had all worked very hard, too. Mr. Stewart said we deserved no sympathy because we cleaned a perfectly clean house, but anyway we felt much better for having gone over it. The chist was finished early next morning. It would have looked better, perhaps, if it had had a little paint, but as we had no paint and were short of time, we persuaded ourselves it looked beautiful with only its clean, pretty curtain. We didn't make many changes in the kitchen. All we did was to take down the mirror and turn it lengthways above the mantel shelf over the fireplace. We put the new rocker in the bright, sunny corner where it would be easier for dim old eyes to see to read or sew. We set the geranium on the broad, clean sill of the window, and I think you would have agreed with us that it was a cozy, cheerful home to come to after fifteen years of lonely homelessness. We couldn't get the dinner question settled, so we dished in dirty face. Each cooked what she thought best. Like Samantha Ann Allen, we had everything good and plenty of it. Elizabeth took a real interest and worked well. She is the dearest girl and would be a precious daughter to some mother. She has not yet told us anything about herself. All we know is she taught school somewhere in the East. She was a little surprised at the way we took possession of a stranger's home but she enjoyed it as much as we. It is so nice to be doing something for someone again, something real homey and family-like, she remarked as she laid the table for dinner. We had dinner almost ready when we heard the wheels crossing the mossy log bridge. 
we raced to let down the bars. Beside Daniel sat a dear, dumpy little woman, her head very much bundled up with a lot of old black veils. Daniel drove through the corral into the yard and right up to the door. He helped her out so gently. She kept admonishing him, Careful, Daniel, careful. He handed out her crutch and helped her into the kitchen, where she sank panting into the rocker. It is my leg, she explained. It has been that way ever since Daniel was a baby. Then she pleaded, careful, careful, to Elizabeth, who was tenderly unwrapping her. I wouldn't have anything happen to this brown alpaca for anything. It is my very best, and I've had it ever since before I went to the poor farm. But I wanted to look nice for Daniel, coming to his home for the first time and all. We had the happiest dinner party I ever remember. It would be powerfully hard for me to say which was happier, Daniel or his mother. They just beamed upon each other. She was proud of her boy and his pleasant home. Daniel says he's got a little red heifer for me, and he's got ten cows of his own. Now ain't that fine? It is a pity we can't have a few apple trees, a little orchard. We'd live like kings, we would that. We explained to her how we got our fruit by parcel post, and Daniel said he would order his winter supply of apples at once. As soon as dinner was over, Daniel had to mend a fence so as to keep his cattle in their own pasture. Mr. Stewart went to help, and we women were left alone. We improved the time well. Mrs. Holt would not lie down and rest, as we tried to persuade her to, but hobbled about admiring everything. She was delighted with the big clean cellar and its orderly bins in which Daniel was beginning to store his vegetables. She was as pleased as a child with her room and almost wept when we told her which were welcoming presents from us. She was particularly delighted with her red flower, and Mrs. O'Shaughnessy will be happy for days remembering it was she who gave it. I shall be happy longer than that, remembering how tickled she was with her bonnets. She wanted to wipe the dishes, so she and I did up the dishes while Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and Elizabeth put some finishing stitches in on their aprons. She sat on the highest seat we could find, and as she deftly handled the dishes, she told us this. I should think you would wonder why Daniel ain't got me out of the poorhouse before now. I've been there more'n ten years, but Daniel didn't know it till a month ago. Charlotte Nash wrote him, Neither Daniel nor me are any master hand at writing, and then I didn't want him to know anyhow. When Daniel got into trouble, I signed over the little farm his pa left us, to pay the lawyer person to defend him. Daniel had enough trouble, so he went to the penitentiary without finding out I was homeless. I should think you would be put out to know Daniel has been to the pen, but he has. He always said to me that he never done what he was accused of, so I am not going to tell you what it was. Daniel was always a good boy, honest and good to me, and a hard worker. I ain't got no call to doubt him when he says he's innocent. 
Well, I fought his case the best I could, but he got ten years. Then the lawyer person claimed the home and all, so I went out to work. But being crippled, I found it hard. When Daniel had been gone four years, I had saved enough to buy my brown alpaca and go to see him. He looked pale and sad, afraid even to speak to his own mother. I went back to work as broke up as Daniel, and that winter I come down with such a long spell of sickness that they sent me to the poor farm. I always wrote to Daniel on his birthday, and I couldn't bear to let him know where I was. Soon's his time was out, he come here. He couldn't bear the scorn that he'd get at home, so he come out to this big free west and took the chance it offers. Once he wrote and asked me if I would like to live west. He said if I did, after he got a start, I must sell out and come to him. Bless his heart, all that time I was going to my meals just when I was told to and eating just what I was helped to, going to bed and getting up at someone else's word. Oh, it was bitter, but I didn't want Daniel to taste it. So when I didn't come, he thought I didn't want to give up the old home and didn't say no more about it. Charlotte was on the poor farm, too, until her cousin died and she got left a home and enough to live on. Sometimes she would come out to the farm and take me back with her for a little visit. She was good that way. I never would tell her about Daniel, but this summer I was helping her dry apples and somehow she just coaxed the secret out. She wrote to Daniel and he wrote to me, and here I am. Daniel and me are so happy that we are going to send a ticket back to the farm for Maggie Harper. She ain't got no home and will be glad to help me and get a rail home. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and Elizabeth debated what more was needed to make the kitchen a bit more homey. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy said a red cushion for the rocker and Elizabeth said a white cat to lie on the hearth. Mrs. Holt said, yes, I do need them both only it must be an old stray tabby cat. This house is going to be the shelter of the homeless. Well, I can't tell you any more about the Holtz because we left next morning. Daniel came across the bridge to bid us goodbye. He said he could never thank us enough, but it is we who should be and are thankful. We got a little glow of happiness from their great blaze. We are all so glad to know that everything is secure and bright for the Holtz in the future. That stop is the cause of my missing two letters to you, but this letter is as long as half a dozen letters should be. You know, I never could get along with few words. I'll try to do better next time. But I can't imagine how I shall get the letters mailed. We are miles and miles and miles away in the mountains. It is two days' ride to a post office, so maybe I will not get letters to you as often as I planned. Sincerely yours, Eleanor Rupert Stewart. End of chapter 5, part 2